0: Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 29 to 42, as translated in the Inclusive Bible. The next day, catching sight of Jesus approaching, John exclaimed, Look, there's God's sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I was talking about when I said, the one who comes after me, Ranks ahead of me, for this one existed before I did. I didn't recognize him, but it was so that he would be revealed to Israel that I came baptizing with water. John also gave this testimony I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and she came to rest on him. I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, When you see the Spirit descend and rest on someone, That is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen for myself and have testified that this is the only begotten of God. The next day, John was by the Jordan again with two of his disciples. Seeing Jesus walk by, John said, Look, there's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what John said and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned around and noticed them following, he asked them, What are you looking for? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, Jesus answered. So they went to see where he was staying, and they spent the rest of the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. One of the two who had followed Jesus after hearing John was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing Andrew did was to find Simon Peter and say, We've found the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, who looked hard at him, and said, You are Simon Ben-Jonah. I will call you Rock. That is, Peter. How many times have we heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know? We may have had a bad experience in a job search with somebody getting the job that might have had an inside connection or a relationship by family with somebody who is in the the business or the company. Uh, We might have had an experience in school where somebody clearly was being favored by somebody in charge and got the better grades, even though maybe they didn't earn them. We may resent the folks who seem to have those inside tracks and those, those connections that make them um, seem to have a leg up on the rest of us in getting things done or acquiring certain goals in life. But, but there is a lot of truth in that statement and, and it's, not, it's not always unfair. It's not always somehow devious or contrived. Sometimes... It's very imper- imper- important to know the people with whom you're dealing. Many uh, many businesses will advertise the fact that they're small enough to know their customers. And my brother's business up in Northwest Iowa was built on that that same idea that that he was small enough to know the farmers who were going to be buying their seeds and their fertilizers and their other their other farm. Uh, inputs. uh, And so he could tailor it to their operation. He wanted to target the small farm operator instead of the large ones. And it worked for him because everybody knew they could come in and sit in his office and talk. The coffee pot was always on and my mother's chocolate chip cookies were always on the table. That's the kind of place it was. And it kind of reminded me of Garrison Keillor in Lake Wobegon, because when I would go up to visit and would, would hang out in the office, uh, because I knew I would meet a lot of people there, um, a variety of folk would come in. A lot of them were even retired farmers who had really had no business being there. No business, I mean that literally. There was nothing for them to buy or accomplish except to, except to be known, to be known, to be connected. To have those relationships that they so treasured when they were actively farming, even though it was it, it was time and and business bound, you know, there was there was an efficiency that had to be maintained. But now that they're retired, they don't have to worry about that anymore, so they can hang around and eat cookies and talk as long as they want to. And it's important that they know the people. In religious circles, especially um, among folk like us who are, who are followers of Jesus, um, we often hear a phrase that, that begins at least with the words, Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? It's an odd kind of question to, to think about, really, because, you know, he's been dead a long time, after all. Um, Do you know Jesus? And sometimes that's followed up with a phrase like, As your personal Lord and Savior. And it makes us uncomfortable because they want our knowing to fit a mold, right? It's not just enough that we know Jesus, but that we have to know Jesus in this way, in a precise way that has a precise result and some pretty serious ramifications for how we're supposed to live or at least how we're supposed to act in the world. In today's passage, we, we have a story, a, a, a series of incidents related to us by the writer of John's gospel that that help us to understand this dynamic of knowing and following. To follow Jesus is, seems to be the point here. To follow. And, and sometimes following is a good thing. Um, Sometimes it's a source of comfort to us to know that, hey, somebody else has been on this path before. (laughs) I'm just going to follow the way that they took and can be pretty assured of the same outcome. Or at least I'm not going to venture out into something untried or dangerous or unpredictable. To follow brings us a certain measure of comfort especially when the wind is blowing and the snow is flying and there are drifts across the road. And if you can see that there are tracks in the snow that you can follow, all right, you know, I can make sure that uh, there's not going to be anything that that is going to keep my car from going ahead because obviously somebody else made it through. And the same is true in a lot of things. Some of us are early adopters, innovators, people who like to try new things, people who like to be on the cutting edge and the forefront of technology or new practices or ideas, uh, new ways of organizing and doing things. And that's great. We need those folks. But most of us, statistically, are not that. We're more comfortable when somebody else has been down that path before. Even if it's somebody in Boston or San Francisco or uh, Tokyo, As long as somebody else has tried it, we're a little more comfortable with doing it. Otherwise, it's a bit of a reach, right? It's a bit of a leap. And just try getting financing for whatever it is you want to do because no bank is going to want to step out where no one has gone before. You caught that, huh? (laughs) Um, So, as... As John begins to witness to who Jesus is, John the Baptist we're talking about now, not John the writer of the gospel, but John the Baptist. As John the Baptist begins to witness to who Jesus is, um, we, have, we have this odd interchange, this, this series of, of statements and reactions to those statements. John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the world's sin. And people take notice and begin to pay attention to who Jesus is. And the disciples, as they come to Jesus and begin to have some interest in Jesus, they have this curious question that they ask. They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Odd question. And Jesus invites them to come and see. So Jesus leads them, we assume, to the place where Jesus is staying. And they, we assume, follow Jesus. Now here's the thing about following. To be f- to be a follower, to follow somebody, you have to be in relationship with that person. You have to observe that person and you have to move with that person. It's kind of like dancing. You have to move along with them and, and respond to the change in their motion to the things that they indicate in some subtle ways, but also in some pretty clear ways saying, this is where we're headed and you keep going with them. And scripture is full of stories like that. There's the story of Ruth and Naomi where, where uh, Naomi wants to leave Ruth behind and Ruth says, no way wherever you go, I go your people will be my people. Now, there's a huge relationship there. Not only is is the commitment to the individual they're following, but to everybody else in the group. Now, today, we we have a different kind of following. We have following that happens on Facebook and Twitter. Not quite the same. Because you can cut that tie anytime you want, right? And you don't have to really do much to follow a person except except look at their tweets. This kind of following is different. This kind of following changes a person, requires some commitment and some some, ch- some sacrifice of what you might otherwise be doing. To follow is to be in relationship. That's the first step. The second thing is that to be in relationship means that you witness what goes on in that person's life. And you are a part of it. In a a large sense, you share the elements of their life as a follower of them. And this is, I think, what happens as Jesus and the disciples begin to do this leading and following thing that, that ensues after this encounter, that they begin to witness Jesus in a way that makes them share his life. Now, John, the Baptist again, um, has been doing this. John has been witnessing some of the things in Jesus' life and is beginning to say to people, now I know who this is. This is the one. This is the one. And so folks begin to pay more attention. So to follow is to be in relationship. To be in relationship is to witness what goes on in another person's life. And part of what we witness in that person's life is the power of God at work. Because the gift of life to us is always an example of what God is doing in the world. Now, we may be an example of someone who resists that or ignores that or tries desperately to uh, to claim that it's not really happening. but But my assertion would be that as God works in our lives, we become witnesses without even knowing it sometimes. I recently reconnected with a high school classmate. We had a reunion, and he didn't show up. Kind of, kind of made me mad because we were good friends, and I thought he might be there. And people kept coming out up to me and, and asking me, you know, where's so-and-so? I thought he'd be here. And I said, I don't have any idea. And they'd look at me kind of funny and say, but you guys were so close. You were such good friends. How can you not know? How can you not know that he, will, you know, what's going on in his life? And, it, and it, it kind of made me think. And so I thought, I just need to reconnect with him. And I got the impression he was not in favor of that. And I don't know why, but um, he lives in Minnesota. And um, when Susan was in her doctoral program, I happened to be up in Minnesota. And, and as I was returning, I was going to go see mom in northwest Iowa. And so I, I was going to drive really close to his town. At least it would not be out of my way. And, and so I just said, hey, I'm coming. Let's meet for coffee or a milkshake or you know what let's let's get together and he could he could hardly say no, and so we were forced to be together. <laughs> but the odd thing was, I always thought of him as being a person of great faith, even as as a high school kid. His church was important to him um, he was he was careful about who he hung out with and how he conducted himself. And I always thought of him as a person of great faith. And he was a member growing up of the Church of Christ, not the United Church of Christ, but the Church of Christ, which is typically very conservative about things like dancing and drinking and playing cards and, and all of those things. And and so um, as we, as we talked together... I discovered that he was working for a Presbyterian church, and I thought, well, now that doesn't fit. And and as we were kind of winding down and going, you know, going our separate ways, I said to him, "I'm I'm surprised that you're you're now Presbyterian." And he he wasn't. He had told me that he didn't actually join the church, but he was working for them. And he kind of laughed and he said, uh, "Yeah," he said. Um, I guess things change, and, and I asked him if there was something in particular that brought about that change, and he said, it was me, at least me in part. It was, it was the understanding that people who were not of his church were still connected somehow with their faith and with their God, and it opened him to things he would not otherwise have done. And I thought, holy cow, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, I did something that changed this person's life now. And I look at this passage in John and I think, yes, that's exactly how it works. You look at somebody's life and it opens you to the power of God at work somehow. And, and the person whose life prompted that may not even be aware of it, may not even understand that somehow God was, God was working through what they did. To make change in someone else, so this whole idea of following Jesus is not just about being on the right side or or making the right choice it 's about opening the door right it 's about, it's about revealing something and in john 's gospel, that is huge it is huge because because being able to see being able to comprehend what God is doing is the linchpin of everything else that happens in John's Gospel. If we follow this story in, in John's Gospel, what we discover is that we can't, we can't read the Bible like we usually do and have it make any sense. Because usually what we do is take 15 or 20 verses, or maybe even one verse or two verses, and we we we. we We excise them out of their context and we say, okay, this is what this means for our faith, when that's not how John wrote. John wrote so that we would make the connection between the prologue, the beginning, and the end, and all the stuff in between. So the the idea of light and sight and being able to see is huge in John's gospel, because if you can't... If you can't perceive what God is doing, if you can't see the thing that's going on, if you're stuck in the darkness and can't have the light to shine on what's going on in the world, then you're never going to get it. And what is it, that, what is it that really brings to a head the conflict between Jesus and the Pharisee? It's the healing of the man born blind. Right? It's the healing of the man born blind. And as the man born blind is healed, he begins to see, and it causes all kinds of problems, and he ends up getting kicked out of the synagogue. And remember, John is writing, the the gospel writer John is writing, at a time when the Christians were being kicked out of the synagogues because the Jewish communities could no longer tolerate the things the Christians were advocating. And so a rift developed and they began to get kicked out. And John is trying to say to them, John, I need to I need to always qualify this. The gospel writer John is trying to say to these Christians who are losing their place in the synagogue, it's more important that you follow Jesus. That is the important thing because that is how you will see and be seen by the people who need to see. Remember, John the Baptist says, I came and started baptizing so that this one would be revealed it 's all about the revelation it 's all about the seeing and the comprehending and the understanding and if we don 't follow jesus i mean if we don't if we don 't understand who Jesus is, that makes that extraordinarily difficult. Susan did her doctoral work at a Lutheran seminary, and for Lutherans, the understanding of preaching is really very simple it 's Show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. That's my task, I guess, (laughs) in the eyes of Lutherans, is to show Jesus to the world. But that is not just the preacher's task. That is the task of all of us, to show Jesus to the world. So the question, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Is a serious question. And I think that's one of the things that sets Christianity apart from a lot of other religions is that most other religions, at least so far as I'm aware, kind of make their prayers and offerings to entities with whom they have very little connection other than that. Don't really know them. And the testimony of Christians throughout the ages is that somehow in this relationship we have with Jesus, we get to know Jesus in a, in a very real sense. Not that, not that Jesus is gonna always show up at our bedside or at uh, the important events of our lives or at the foxholes of, of our existence, but that somehow it is possible for us to know Jesus. And I don't know that I can explain that. I don't know that I can make that real for you. Um, it might be something like what my mom described after my dad died. And she said she would wake up in the morning and know that dad was with her in the bed. Now, it's easy to explain that away as as a grief response, as as the mind sort of creating a presence in order to um, minimize the the pain of the loss, to cope with life, with this big empty hole, and the brain just kind of automatically fills it with whatever is going to be comforting and helpful. But my mom didn't see it that way at all. And I think of that a lot when I think about, you know, how do we explain this? How do we talk about this in ways that don't seem crazy or outlandish? So to follow is to be in relationship. To be in this relationship means that we witness another person's God-given gifts and God at work in that person's life. And then we witness in a different way when we share that, when that becomes part of our life and we begin to live that as well. Because somebody has to make it seem possible, feasible, that our lives could be a reflection of what God wants in the world. As 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 when I was little, one of my favorite games was follow the leader. <laughs> it was simple enough that I could understand the rules. You know, you just had to copy the person you were following, right? Um, and it was kind of fun to mimic somebody else. Kids are kids are good at that, I think. And um, every once in a while, I got to be the leader. I got to be the one that other people copied. So going back to the original question, do you know Jesus? Um, that's our lifelong challenge, I think. It's, it's, it's both how we live and what our priorities are. It's, it's who we are. It's, it's the relationships we have. So, I'll say it. Let's all follow Jesus. Amen.